Start out yelling. That was loud. Good to see you all this morning. If you're visiting, we're glad you're here. Uh, a lot going on this holiday season. Family time, people facing sickness, all the kind of holiday stuff happening. A lot of moving pieces for people, but we're glad you're here this morning. I can't believe it's like the middle of December already, and I'm still wrapping my mind around summer being over. So, Well, last week we talked about a successful life. What does a successful life look like? What does a successful church look like? And I, I suggested that it doesn't depend on what we get or don't get, the blessings that we get in this life. Uh, it doesn't depend on whether or not our, our dreams come true or our dreams fall apart, whether or not uh, we get to check off everything that, was on our, that is on our bucket list. Rather, a successful life is one in, in, in which we've lived that from uh, beginning from beginning to claim the Lord is our God to our very last breath, that we can continue to proclaim the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the justice of God, the mercy of God. God is good. If you can say that to your last breath, that is a successful life. So I think uh, Moses gives us more criteria of a successful life today. I would suggest this from our text in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses is teaching us what success looks like. Our success as a church isn't tied to our numbers, our programs, our talents, or our abilities, but rather by focusing our undivided attention on God, on who he is, on what he has done, on what he is doing, on his presence in our midst. If we can really be single-minded enough to zero in on the Lord our God and keep him ever before us as the center of everything we're doing, we don't have to worry about any of these other things. I think the Lord will provide. So we have to ask our question, uh, ourselves the question, how often are we focusing our attention on the perfect program, the perfect technique, uh, acquiring the most talented people to fill out our different roles, depending on human wisdom more than focusing on God's presence, God's glory, God's revelation of himself. And, and to focus on structure and programs and techniques and growing our abilities and talents, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but there are so many things that try to distract us and pull our focus off of God himself. First comes distraction. When we stop, pretend, or when we stop paying attention to God, first we become distracted. When we become distracted, then we become forgetful. After you become forgetful, sin will inevitably creep in. Does it really, is it really that big a deal? Does, it, does he really care? I, but a disciple of Jesus Christ who maintains their focus on our Heavenly Father, they are always going to be more successful and more fruitful in this life 
than people who are distracted and double-minded. Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, How wise and prudent are the people of this great nation! (coughs) For what great nation has a God so near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and fair as this body of instructions that I am giving you today? Your single-minded focus on God. It's something that displays our wisdom, the wisdom of God, and our intelligence is on display. If you are a person focused on God, (coughs) you're living for something bigger than just yourself. You see what needs to be done. You see what you need to be doing. You are grounded and stable in a way that this world just looks on. And it's, we know what this world is like. Oh, and it's crazy around us. And those who have their eyes fixed on the Lord, our God, we are grounded and stable in a way that the world just doesn't understand. It is a peace that passes understanding. The rest of the world, it's like an extended episode of the Hunger Games. I'm just hanging on, trying to, what will help me survive one more day? (coughs) Those who put their eyes on the Lord, on his presence, on his beauty, who meditate on his law and delight in it. That's grounding. That's sure foundation. That's not chicken with their head cut off, the sky is falling. How are we going to, oh, woe is me. But when we are careless, And when we are forgetful, that's when things fall apart. So Moses says this, (coughs) Watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. How many memories do you keep in the front of your mind for as long as you live? that are that important. This remembering the Lord our God, keeping him ever before us, that is something that is that important, that we should constantly be striving to do that. But when we're careless about the things of God, when we become forgetful of the things of God, when we fail to pass on uh, the things of God to our children and our grandchildren, in some way or another, it comes back to this issue of distraction, that we have paid more attention to less significant things than to the Lord our God himself. People routinely pay a lot of attention to things that in the end, they don't matter a hill of beans. I don't know where that phrase came from, colloquial phrase, but a hill of beans, I guess, you know, in the scheme of things, it's not worth a whole lot. How many of you have ridden in a car 
with a careless and distracted driver. Someone can raise their hand. The kind of driver that makes you fear for your life. Uh, When you arrive at the destination, you say a little prayer, thank you, Lord, for preserving my life, or something like that. (coughs) Have you ever ridden in a car with a driver like that? They're either so distracted, so on their phones, (coughs) so careless, so drunk, high, You think to yourself, I will never, ever ride with that person again. Is that something we've all experienced? I have, unfortunately. And uh, it's a scary thing. Now think of your life as a car. And your life is an allotted number of days. Imagine that the passengers in that car that you're scaring are the souls of people that you love. And you have a responsibility to help them arrive somewhere safely. From what I can see in this world, there are a lot of spiritually distracted drivers out there paying a lot of attention to things that really don't matter. And I just pray, I pray that we will learn spiritually to keep our eyes fixed on the road, keep our eyes fixed on the destination of where we are going. Whoa. I might need help to... Here's this from Matthew 16:26. What shall a profit a man be profited if she shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's about priorities and the priorities we set. What are really what are the things that really matter? What are the things that are really important? What are the things that you're upset about? that a year from now, you won't even remember. And now to help Israel remember and keep their careful attention and focus on God, Moses retells their story once again. And he says, remember your history. (coughs) Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God on Mount Sinai, where he told me, summon the people before me and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain. While the flames from the mountain shot into the sky, the mountain was shrouded in black clouds and deep darkness. And the Lord spoke to you from the heart of the fire, and you heard the sound of his words, but you did not see his form. There was only a voice. He proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep and which he wrote on two stone tablets. It was at that time that the Lord commanded me to teach you this, his decrees and regulations so you would obey them in the land you were about to enter and occupy. 
I just want to... So he's telling them their history, helping them remember their story of all of the amazing things that God has shown them and God has done. A God who reveals himself to them. I'm going to read to you now a portion of uh, an ancient Near Eastern prayer uh, typical of this time so you can compare it with the way that God reveals himself to us. Uh, This prayer is from roughly the same time as Moses was delivering the Ten Commandments of God to the people. It was recovered from an inscription found on a tablet in Mesopotamia. May the wrath of the heart of my God be pacified. May the God who is unknown to me be pacified. May the goddess who is unknown to me be pacified. May the known and unknown God be pacified. May the known and unknown goddess be pacified. The sin which I have committed I know not. The misdeed which I have committed I know not. A gracious name may my God announce. A gracious name may my goddess announce. A gracious name may my known and unknown God announce. A gracious name may my known and unknown goddess announce. Pure food have I not eaten. Clear water have I not drunk. Any offense against my God I have unwittingly committed. A transgression against my goddess I have unwittingly done. O Lord, my sins are many, great are my iniquities. My God, my sins are many, great are my iniquities. The sin which I have committed I know not. The iniquity which I have done I know not. The offense which I have committed I know not. The transgression I have done I know not. The Lord in the anger of his heart hath looked upon me. The God in the wrath of his heart hath visited me. The goddess hath become angry with me and hath grievously stricken me. The known or unknown God hath straightened me. The known or unknown goddess hath brought affliction upon me. We're suffering. We're like, humanity is like ants under a cosmic uh, looking glass, just being burned up at a whim. Not, we don't know the name of these gods. Please announce this name. Please tell us what you want. We don't know when we sin. We don't know, we don't know how to Let's just throw these words out there and see what sticks at the wall because our lives are at the mercy of forces that are bigger than us, that we cannot see, that we cannot manage, that we cannot explain. In contrast, listen to the words of God. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. And you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. 
You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, etc. See, the Ten Commandments aren't just one more list of rules to follow. They are grace given to us from a heart of love, so we're not left guessing. The Lord our God reveals his heart to us. He tells us his desire. And part of the grace of God is that he shows us what he wants. We aren't left groping in the dark. We aren't left wondering if we've done something wrong. We aren't left wondering, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to make this right? God tells us what he wants. God tells us what is good for us. God tells us what is sinful. He tells us, he shows us what evil is. He shows us what will destroy us. And he reveals these things to us because he loves us for our blessing and for our success. If we need direction, he gives us direction. If we need correction, he gives us correction. We don't have to guess at our life's mission or our life's purpose. What is the meaning of life? He tells us. God reveals himself to us. God gives us justice. God gives us mercy. God blesses. God punishment. He, he gives us, he punishes. He is a good God. And there is no other like him. I say compare any other prayers that are written from this time. The way that God reveals himself to Israel, it is unique and it is for our good and our blessing. But when God does reveal himself to us, when he does tell us what he wants, we have a role to play. We have a responsibility. We have something that we need to pay attention to. We have to focus and we have to remember. But be very careful. You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. Idolatry is taking the worship, thanks, and gratitude that rightfully belongs to God and it, it, giving it to something else and so, or someone else, something lesser. And the form of idols in our day may be different from the forms of idols in Moses' day, but we still have them and they're still offensive to God. Do you know the things in your life? that you're attempted to bow down and worship. Maybe it's your own sense of self-freedom. Maybe it's what you've accumulated for yourself. Maybe it's the experiences that you have that are precious to you. 
how did this golden calf get here? I don't know. We just threw it stuff in the furnace, and this is what popped out. Remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his special possession, which is what you are today. How has God rescued you? What has God done for you in your life? Do you remember the story of your own testimony? Are you here by chance? Have you not been told what is good and how you're supposed to live your life? Do you not have things in your life that you need to be thankful for? Have you ever told the people you love the most how much God has done for you? Now search all of history from the time God created people on the earth until now and search from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything as great as this ever been seen or heard before? And has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from the fire as you did and survived? They're in the midst of the greatest revelation of God to humanity. And nothing greater comes until God incarnate, born in a manger. Has any other God dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, a powerful arm, and terrifying acts? Yet that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. You saw this. Your parents saw this. You know the truth of this. Never forget this. Tell your children. Tell your grandchildren. Be careful to remember this all the days of your life. He showed you these things so you would know that the Lord is God and there is no other. He let you hear his voice from heaven so he could instruct you. And he let you see his great fire here on earth so he could speak to you from it. Because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants, and he personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. He drove out nations far greater than you so he could bring you in and give you their land as your special possession as it is today. The uniqueness of the children of Israel is not because they were the greatest or the most powerful or the most deserving, the most cunning. Their uniqueness 
because God chose them. The greatness and success of the Eugene Church of Christ, of any church, is whether or not they realize that God chose them. Christians are God's special people who have been tasked with going and making disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey, Matthew 28 says. We are special because we pay attention to God's presence among us. We are special because we pay attention to the commands that God has given us. It's not the perfection of our performance at worship who leads the songs the best, who preaches the best. It's not our large numbers. It's not because we have such amazing facilities, although I have to say they're looking better these days. It's not because our programs are the best. It's because God chose us to be his special people. I don't think we're the only special people he's chosen, but I think God has chosen us to be his special people. And it's not because of anything that we've done to merit that or earn that. We only access, access that through our faith and trust in God himself. Even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. What is the pleasure of God, he tells us? It is to redeem our lives. It is to choose you to be his special treasured possession. It is to adopt you, to be a part of his family. It is to take you and bring you near to his presence. What other people or nation has a God like this? So remember, remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. If you obey all the decrees and commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I am giving you these instructions so that you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Moses is telling the young Israelite nation the secret of how to succeed in life. Remember. Remember the Lord your God. Pay attention to the Lord your God. Obey His commands. And it's the same for us today. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey.
let's close this morning. I just want to point out all of the imperatives that Moses uses just in Deuteronomy chapter 4. This is just the fourth chapter. Watch out. Be careful never to forget. Do not let these memories escape your mind. Be sure to pass them on. Never forget. Be very careful. Do not corrupt yourselves. Remember the Lord who rescued you. Be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Search all of history. Has any nation ever heard the voice of God? Remember this and keep it firmly in mind. Remember. Remember. What are we to remember as a church? Remember this. The Lord is God. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. There's no one. No one like him. Remember these things and keep them in mind. And we will have success. And we will know what it is to live a long, successful life through faithfulness in God because He chose us as His very own special and treasured possession. Remember what God has done for you. That's our sermon for today from Deuteronomy chapter 4. We always offer an invitation in this congregation. Um, if you want to put the Lord on in baptism, if... Uh, you need the prayers of this church. I always stand up here. Um, I stay up here and I stand up here just to be available for any brave soul that wants to come over and share some need. And uh, if you want to start this journey of discipleship uh, by putting on the Lord in baptism, we always make an opportunity for that, just like we always celebrate the Lord's Supper together. This, this table is all about memory. What we do is about creating memories that honor the Lord our God. We always give opportunities for those things every single week. We are privileged by grace to be able to worship together. So Logan, you can come up here. I kind of gave you the cue already. I was trying to. You're kind of... Because it's time for me to stop talking now. And it's time for us to go ahead and stand and sing our song together.